0: All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Velocity TV. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. And uh, we got a good one today. I say that every week. We always have a good one. We put some time into this, right? Well, we we think they're good. We think they're good. Hey, doesn't matter what we think though, right? But yeah, we're talking Uh, trust.
1: I will give you infallible data to show that somebody thinks this is good. Are you ready for this? Tell me. We just broke our first 1,000 subscribers on YouTube.
0: Ah, okay. On the YouTube channel. Yeah. If you're listening to this, we go live inside of our Sales Velocity TV public Facebook group. It's also on our Sales Velocity TV YouTube channel. It's also on our Pipeline Pro YouTube channel since our show is powered by Pipeline Pro, which is our software platform. So try to get this in as many places as we can, which leads us to the topic of today, which is trust-based marketing. And a big piece of trust in your marketing is the visibility that you project in the marketplace so that you – not only are very visible, but when you're very visible and you're doing a lot of cool things and you have shows and you have offers out there and you're publishing books, you become much more trustworthy. And that's the topic of today is how to basically be deliberate about how you position yourself to create trust in your marketing, in your sales process, and in your follow-up. So it's like a little three-pillar conversation we're going to have here today, Aaron. And I want to start off I kind of got the idea today from one of my mentors, Dan Kennedy, who you know, probably taught me just about everything I know about direct response marketing over the last decade and a half or so. And I'm gonna—he has a book called Trust Based Marketing, which I highly, highly recommend. We'll put it in the show notes; it's in the resources, but you can get it on Amazon. But there's a great quote in the book that I want to kick off with to frame the show, and then we'll dig into these pillars that we're talking about today, Aaron. It goes like this, and this is from Dan. I've long believed that rather than getting customers to make sales, it's smarter to make sales to get customers. And I want to say that again, because this is like a very big paradigm shift, right? I've long believed that rather than getting customers to make sales, it is smarter to make sales to get customers. The first one only provides income. The second provides income and equity. The majority of business people think only about income every day. The exceptionally smart few who get rich from business think about both every day gonna let that marinate gonna let that marinate this was a monster shift for me Aaron when I shifted from being in the business corporate world and you know working for companies and financial services and mortgage banking into entrepreneurship via the internet back in 2005 2006 that's how long ago I started going down this direct response marketing path and boy, oh boy, when you wrap your head around what we're going to talk about today, everything starts to change because you, for the sake of a better term, you ultimately put yourself in a position to sell more with less resistance when you do some of the things we're going to talk about here today. And that's ultimately the goal of the show is how can you continue to sell more with less resistance on the phone, on Zoom, online, on webinars, in sales pages, from stage. and That's when the game becomes fun. The game is not fun when you keep banging your head against the wall to try to make sales, right?
1: Not no, fun. And and there's a and the, did you mention the book, Andrew? Trust-based this marketing? Pre- yep. Trust-based is marketing. The book. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's a great resource. And what and what our listeners have to comprehend if if they haven't comprehended it already is that it's about 50/50 in my opinion your ability to make sales the, the level of importance of a your offer and B, your credibility, right? So you can have the most amazing offer in the world. I actually saw this um, funny enough in uh, in one of the Facebook groups I was at the other day, but if your credibility sucks, it's gonna be very difficult to overcome that. And I actually saw a, a very well-known marketer promote somebody else's course the other day in this group. And somebody jumped in right away and said, this guy has been known to, Uh, Modify screen captures to show his results. He's been busted on it multiple times. Wow. You know why anybody would buy this guy's stuff is beyond me. And it's, it started this firestorm. So the guy
0: got exposed like
1: publicly on Facebook or. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and, 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 and that's a credibility problem that no matter how good the offer might be is now difficult to overcome because that, that reputation has, has now, you know, Filled the internet, which is hard to get rid of. yeah. And, and and another example of that that I experienced this week is I have a, a a big client, super nice guy, great offer, you know, and he's got some negative SEO stuff out there, but the stuff's actually inaccurate. And um, he's just letting it stay there. And I said, you, you really need to engage an attorney to reach out to these people and make them either modify their reviews to be true or get rid of them altogether. And he said, do you think that that's impacting conversions? And I just started laughing. I said, if somebody goes and searches your business, your name, and one of the top two, you know, ranked articles, websites, whatever, is somebody smashing your business, Hmm. it will will drop your conversions by about 20%. It's a big number. The flip side of that is that we see when we have clients, and, and I hate the Better Business Bureau, I think it's such a racket, you know, But if you have a Better Business Bureau logo at the top of your offer, it's known to boost conversions by about 10, even 15%, because it relays third-party credibility, you know, into your offer. So there's all these little triggers that you have to look at and ask yourself, you know, how am I coming across to the client subconsciously? Forget about the offer and what I'm putting into the marketplace. How do they feel about me or my business as an individual? And and feel free to jump in anywhere you want, Andrew, but we talked a little bit about the first step of that is clearly understanding the psychological triggers of the audience that you wanna market to. So if you wanna jump in anywhere there, feel free, but otherwise I'm gonna go into your, your audience, your avatar. And understanding them.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great starting point too, because when you're a little fuzzy on who you're for and what you stand for, it's tough to, it's tough to stake this. It's tough to really stake your image, right? It's tough to really stake your credibility when you're not sure what you're all about. So this, this is a good starting point. Then we'll get into the pillars of how do you do it in your marketing? How do you do it in your sales process? And how do you do it through the follow-up? It's really three pieces.
1: Yeah. And for me, it always starts with, with who you're trying to sell to, right? Because... We all have different personalities, we all have different tastes, we all have different beliefs, but industry by industry, people have been subconsciously trained to believe that successful people in that in that industry show up in a particular way. Mm. Right? If and and here's a, here's an example of this. When I went to meet with a very large blockchain company, cryptocurrency I went and I met them and I had jeans and flip flops and a t-shirt and a ball cap on because I knew they were going to show up in jeans and hoodies. Right. Kind of the image of the industry, isn't it? That's the image of the industry. Yeah. And that's how a huge portion of them are. So when I showed up, they said, Oh God, you thank God you didn't show up in a suit or tie. Cause if you had, we would have run you right out of here because I know psychologically, what that industry is like, and more importantly, who they dislike, who they reject, right? But on the flip side, right, I had a client this week who is showing up in an industry where they expect you to look, you know, almost like a like a runway supermodel. You know, they expect the fancy suit, they expect the, the look, the hair, the background, the everything to be like level 1000, and he's showing up in a hoodie with a jean jacket in the materials that he's putting out, right? You are instantly misaligning yourself with the expectation of success. If you show up to a law office in a t-shirt and jeans and flip flops trying to pitch business, you're not even getting through the door, right? Do you really understand your industry, your market and I'm not saying people should dress any way, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that people should, should change who they are, so to speak, but to give yourself the best chance to succeed, you have to understand what the expectations of your avatar are, of what they're gonna see and what they deem to be successful when you come to the plate, right? Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he's always been a, a, a hoodie and jeans and t-shirt guy, but he's in the marketing industry, right? So people kind of- A very casual space. It's a very casual industry. I mean, look at me. I show up every, every, every week in you know, a t-shirt and a ball cap because I'm in the marketing industry. I'm more in the creative side. You know, people have this expectation that you're gonna be a little weird. You're gonna be a little off. You're gonna be a little, you know, anti-establishment because you're in the marketing industry, right? But how did people expect you to show up Andrew, when you were in the banking industry or the mortgage industry,
0: yeah, I mean that, that's that's a that's a space where at the very least it was you know suit no tie at the very least, but maybe tie meeting with clients. It, it's casualized a lot over the years, right? But I I was always the most comfortable, in, and same with speaking from stage. I was always the most comfortable in a suit but with no tie. To me, it's like a good middle ground, right? I think the tie sometimes today can get a little over over stuffy and maybe intimidating but the suit with no tie, it it, it hints at a little casualness, but yet organization. That was my style or my philosophy. But I think the point here is you have to have a style and a philosophy
1: with the way you show up. You have to know like what the bare minimum level of expectation is for your audience that you're gonna show up because you wanna always be showing up, not meeting them. You wanna be showing up one step above, not 10 steps because you don't wanna make them intimidated and blow them out of the water. But you, but, but one step above where they would expect you to be because you want to be establishing that positioning and that feeling of authority because they're coming to you for something. So, you know, if you're in like a coaching industry, you need to show up above them, right? If you're in like legal or finance or insurance or whatever you need to all of your messaging and all of your content and everything needs to show up in alignment with what their expectations are for that industry. If you break from that, you better have some serious charisma and some serious punch in your offer to overcome the, the breaking of routine, the breaking of tradition in that space. And you can be that cowboy if you want, you're just making it more challenging on yourself than necessary. So again, going back to understand your industry and put yourself in the position of your ideal client and really ask yourself, what are they expecting to see when they engage in a business in that particular industry?
0: We talked a couple episodes ago about we've become a zoom culture, which means now you're more visible than ever. Because when you're doing presentations today, I feel like people are almost expecting it to be Zoom. Like I had a, yeah. I had a meeting with my bank the other day, Aaron, and, and they're sending me a Zoom link. And I'm like, I would have never in years past gotten a Zoom link from the bank. It would have been just a call. But like everything is defaulting to Zoom today, which means people are expecting to be seen and you're expecting to be seen. And now we run into a whole different ballgame of showing up and showing up looking the part and not showing up sloppy. We talked about backgrounds and audio and lighting um, and, and just imagery. I think it was Andre Agassi that said back in the tennis days, image is everything, right? Yeah, and exactly. it is. I think image it was. Image is everything. You you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And this carries through to your marketing now in part two, right? Is Your you're, you're, mo- most effective marketing today is going to be humanized in the form of video, pictures, images. And if you're going to kind of just wing it, and show up really sloppy and be lazy and think that because we're kind of a sloppy culture now that I can go pull that off too. I, and I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, man, I, I said, especially my son who's 10 now because he understands it more. Your son's, I think, a, a year older or a year younger, right? He's yeah, I've got culture. a 9 and a 13. Yeah. so no, He's one year younger. That's right. So like, he's at the, I'm at that point now where like I tell him, just because all the other kids at school want to look sloppy, wear 19 different colored clothes, color their hair, do this, doesn't mean you have to. Because when you go to school organized and you dress organized and you show up organized, you're going to be taken more seriously and probably more respected long term. You're gonna you're gonna just feel better, and and
1: and you know overall that's the way I was brought up, right? Yeah, and, 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 and it again, goes it, it that, goes to that business. goes into a different conversation about standards. But I'm again I'm not judging anybody on how you roll around in your day to day life. Right, when I, right. But When it comes to marketing. Are you showing up looking like the credible trusted resource of that industry that people already have a painted picture in their mind?
0: Which is I had a client branding. this
1: week that this is your that is looking to show up as an authority and the and the video they shot looks like they're in their mom's basement.
0: Yeah, this is and this is your brand, right? This is a branding play here, also, right? Trust based marketing is like a branding slash selling slash congruency play. Right. So having all this be congruent from marketing to selling. So the way you are in video is potentially the way you show up on a on a Zoom session like this, on a podcast live like this. And then ultimately through your follow up, there's some that's called congruency. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't connect congruency. Congruency equals trust. The more right. Consistency, by the way, congruency, consistency. consistency. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. When you're consistent with the way you present yourself, your offer, your company, your brand, and then you're congruent with it. Right. So consistency, congruency, they kind of work simultaneously. Right. That's what equals trust. People are looking for that consistency. We're wired as humans to. To trust congruency and trust consistency. When we see something over and over again, we subconsciously default to why we can. It's probably good. We can probably trust. Just think about good old fashioned commercials on TV. I feel like the more I see commercials on TV, I'm like finding myself grabbing it off the shelf at Target now. And I don't know why, but subconsciously, I've probably seen the commercial 19 times on all the on, on all the football uh, with, throughout all the football games that we watch. And that's you know it, I, that's I, I, good old fashioned commercial based advertising. Is they're trying to they're trying to stamp in your mind, hey, we're consistent, we're congruent. This is Geico comes to mind also with their like they're like their their corny commercials. Like their whole thing is how can we pattern interrupt you with one corny commercial after another. And it's the whole jingle of 15 minutes can save you 15% or less. So they have the jingle, which is like, you don't forget that. That's, that's deliberate, by the way. They didn't just go, oh, wow, that rhymes. We didn't even know that after two years. They, 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 that's, that's, that's a technique in marketing and messaging where if you can get your motto or your mantra or your USP to rhyme, people will remember it better. That's why I just rang off here. 15 minutes will save you 15% or less. Like it all jingles, Right. So that
1: consistency yeah, and, and, and congruency you, means,
0: like, you go to Geico.
1: And to give you a real life example about consistency and congruency and how important it is, so it's not just about first establishing in in your in your avatar's mind what they expect to see and matching it to your industry, but then also now making it consistent throughout your process. Yeah. I just saw the new branding for Aunt Jemima. Have you seen it? Aunt
0: Jemima has new branding. Good yes. old, f- I mean that's a that's a seventy year old brand, right?
1: Right, and it's been ex- pretty much exactly the same the entire like time. The bottle was, there was, there was
0: shaped as the lady.
1: Is that still the case? Red label, all that stuff, right? I don't eat that junk. So, I get the organic maple syrup. That's why. With I'm all honest. of the with 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 all of the different you know social movements and protests and and so on and so forth, they came under a little bit of fire for the Aunt Jemima image. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've changed the name of the the. the it's not Aunt Jemima anymore. It's like. Something Mills or something, and uh, the they've taken her picture off it and they've changed it to something else. And and they they did their best to keep the color scheme the same, the bottle shape like the yellow same.
0: And right? yep, yellow and reddish, right? Yeah, yellow and red. Yeah.
1: Right. But I saw them side by side yesterday online, and I went, I will walk right by that in the marketplace, right by it, because I'm conditioned. To believe that my syrup, and we buy a lot of syrup because my kids eat, you know, pancakes and waffles and stuff all the time. Yep. I'm conditioned to look for that, but even even though the color scheme is the same and the bottle shape is the same, in there, I I said to my wife, I would legitimately walk right by that. So you didn't notice it. I, I I it just it won't show up in my brain. I think they're going to take a huge short term hit. I, I was going to tell you it's, this a, it's a
0: huge risk to change the branding and the consistency that people are used to. Right, that's a risk. But hey, sometimes it's a calculated risk though.
1: Right? Yeah, and, and they Sometimes made, they made decisions dumb. around you know the changes that are happening socially and stuff. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have made the change, but I'm saying from a marketing standpoint, it it now is not congruent with what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I and in the short term, I guarantee you they're gonna take a massive hit. Yeah. And it might be so big, they have to default back to it. I've
0: seen regardless. that happen,
1: by the way. I've seen that
0: happen quite a bit with companies where yeah. they they, they try to go in and change the whole image and they're like, we're like, we're falling too hard off the cliff. We need to just go back to the basics.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at Infusionsoft. They changed their name to Keep. Nobody's ever going to call that thing Keep. Nobody no, even knows what the hell that yeah, is. Yeah,
0: It's too late. It's too late. I mean, we, we, we talk about the Apple story all the time, right? When they yanked Steve Jobs out and they wanted to brand this Apple company a whole different way and change the way it's structured and the imaging and the consistency of Steve Jobs. And by the way, Steve Jobs had a uniform kind of to the point, right? People don't know Steve Jobs had a uniform. Steve Jobs only wore black shirts, T-shirts, and only wore jeans, and only wore a certain kind of shoe. And his closet was only that stuff, except maybe on the weekend. So he showed up all the time, by the way. Talk about consistency, congruency, positioning, showing up. Steve Jobs, if you go look at all the YouTube videos, all the YouTube videos, he always showed up on stage and in meetings with his black shirt and his jeans, T-shirt only, not a long sleeve shirt, T-shirt. And what happens over time? Why did he do that? You think it's because he just loved the color black? No, it's because he wanted to create, he wanted to staple his image. Yeah. And he also wanted to create trust. That's what he wanted to do. It's a deliberate yeah, play if you I, watch I, his.
1: Him and, him and Zuckerberg, they talk about how, you know, they, they just have these same simple clothes every day. Zuckerberg's his, his flip-flops and his jeans and his white t-shirt. And and Jobs was his his jeans and his shoes black and shirt. his his black t-shirt or his black turtleneck because they wanted to just simplify their life to focus on things that were more important. I don't believe that. I, there's I an element it's, of that probably. It's a branding statement. Yeah,
0: but it's, all, but it, it, it's a staple. Like there's, it's, it, it's, there's a little bit of the simplicity of, hey, I don't want to have to think about this thing because my mind has too much going already. I've seen both, both arguments, but it's both. I mean, it's a simplicity play and it's a, hey, I want to staple the consistency in people's brains. That's what that is. And that's, again, looping back to what we're talking about here today is is do you wing it in your sales process? Do you wing it in your marketing? And if you do, you're probably killing your conversions.
1: Well, and you just gotta keep asking yourself, somebody else has already set the precedent for you of what is to be expected for something of quality, right? It's already been there. So you can go and you can look at a million different examples of people or companies you wanna emulate and look at how their stuff flows and then compare it against how your stuff flows, right? One of my clients, his name's Keir, Um, One of the, one of the biggest realtors in New York, he's selling a program right now teaching other realtors how to sell high-end real estate. Every image this guy does is Hollywood level in his branding. It's the black on black suits with no tie. It's the Maserati. It's the professional backgrounds. Like this guy looks like a freaking superstar. Why does he look like that? Because people who are selling high-end houses want somebody who looks like that they to sell want with their their high-end people. people, right? It it almost reminds me of the Glengarry Glenn Ross, right? I showed up here in a BMW, you showed up here in a Hyundai, right? <laughs> that it, yeah. one of my favorite scenes of all time, yeah. right? That industry demands that your image aligns with the product that they're selling. So he's got it perfectly dialed. Now he's selling courses to realtors. Again, junior realtors expect the multi-million dollar realtor to have the nice suits, to have the nice car, to have the nice house, to have the nice professional photography. If you show up looking like them, there's no chance that you're going to make the sale to that person because you're not in alignment with what their perceived expert is. Right. I mean, even he went as far, Andrew, as he he had this big multi-million dollar client coming in and he knew this guy was very environmental, big environmental guy, right? He went and rented a Tesla to pick him up from the airport instead of Tesla? driving his Maserati. Wow. He went and got a, a Model X and picked him up and the guy instantly was like, wow. Yeah, you uh, you big in the environmental push too? And he was like, absolutely, right? Total bullshit, <laughs> however. He was mirroring what the person's expectation of what they want would be, right? Yeah. Mirroring is a, is, is, is a term that's used a lot in sales and marketing. You want to mirror you know, your, your prospect or you want to mirror what their ideal expectation for success is, right? Yeah. So
0: and, and there's a fine line with it too, right? You, you can go overboard with it.
1: Sure you can. But in this particular case, the guy sold two houses to him. So you know maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, right? Right,
0: right. But, I, I'm, I'm laughing over here on the Glengarry, Gary, Glenn Ross thing. The whole Mercedes, like the one comment that comes to mind is, I think it goes something like, you want to know what my name is? I'll tell you what my name is. My yeah. Mercedes is parked out front and it's worth more than your yearly salary. That's my name.
1: <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's so raw. And that's, So, just, and, and that's, it's so you go wrong. watch that movie, that's a great example of it because yeah. it's a sales environment yeah. and everybody expects the top sales guy and the top sales, tra- the trainer to look, sound, have those things. That's what gives them the authority in that specific industry, yeah. right, where everyone else is like sitting there looking like a schlub with you know coffee stains on their shirt and everything else, right. So, again, going back to the point of, it's already been done by somebody else, so the clues are already left. So emulate what other people are doing successfully. You know, if if in your industry it's important to have a corporate brochure type site with all the information and and the board and and the contact us and all that stuff, have one. If the quality is super high of theirs, have one, right? It's been shown that if you put a 1-800 number at the top of any funnel you create, the conversions go up instantly. Why? Because they assume you must be a more credible company because what, because you can afford a 1-800 number? Like what do, what do 1-800 numbers even cost these is Nothing. It's amazing?
0: What little things like that can do, right? Those are the little hinges that swing big doors.
1: Absolutely, right? It's been proven, go go and look up that if you have a 1-800 number in the top right-hand corner of your offer, it dramatically increases your conversion numbers. Now that means you also have to ideally have somebody answer it, but even if it just goes to a voicemail, just having it there helps, right? Testimonials, we talk about building trust, right? How important, you have created so many offers in your life. How important is it showing testimonials in your offers?
0: Testimonials and case studies today more than ever are now number one. And the reason that they're number one today more than ever is because today there's so much distrust in the marketplace today. So the more that this is like an inverse relationship, right? The more our society becomes less trusting, the more third party validation and social proof we need. And a lot of times I still see business owners and entrepreneurs just kind of dipping their big toe in the water with the testimonials and the case studies and the third party validation and the social proof. And I'm always, when I, when I, when I look at an offer, and I, I, there was somebody I was talking to about this this week. I was like, like that's always the thing that I say. Hey, this is where you need to amp things up. Give me your best case studies. Show me your best examples of how you got someone from point A to point B. Let's focus on that, and less on you, or at least let's balance that out, right? They're going to believe you to a degree if you're polished and you're doing a good job in your marketing and you're, you know, you're t- doing all the things we talk about on the show. But they're really, re- you're going to really, really amp up belief and trust when you just. Have case study after case study and testimony after testimony. Like I make it a point, Aaron, every single week in, our, in, in in Pipeline Pro, our software company, that I'm always personally reaching out to somebody who's having a big win with our platform and saying, "Hey, do you mind giving us a testimony, or can I use the one you already wrote?" We see them every single day. Yeah, they put them. Or in the I'll take someone and interview them in a format like this. I call it a case study. And I do these case studies. You can see them on on our corporate website because this thing never ends. You just keep stacking on your case studies and stacking on your testimonials and stacking on your social proof. And ultimately what happens is you're not selling your offer anymore. The public is selling your offer. And if you look at the best sales people or sales organizations in the world, they don't really sell anymore because they have so much social proof and third-party Validation that's doing all the talking and explaining and selling for them. That's the place you want to get to. That's the ultimate trust-based marketing method. Is how can I do such a good job of this and highlight my wins and my winners so much that eventually I'm just kind of exchanging information, not really pushing anybody to make decisions because all my case studies and testimonials are doing that for me.
1: Well, that's and that's the place the ultimate, to strive that, that, to that's, be. That's the ultimate goal. Like I had a great conversation yep. with a, 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 a client this week. And they said, you know, we've never seen you run a single ad, right? But you have this hugely successful ad agency. And I said, it's because our clients send me so many referrals that I I actually don't even have time to create my own advertising campaign. And the guy just laughed and he said, well, don't beat yourself up over it. That's where everybody wants to get to where your results and your referrals from previous clients are so heavy that you don't even need to run ads, but you can't just jump to there. But yeah, you there's a gap there. that you got to fill in between. And, and this is one of those things that so few businesses do well is they don't request any reviews or testimonials. Fortunately for for our clients in Pipeline Pro, there's actually a tool in there that will automatically go out and what I call scrape reviews. You know, It, it, it will harvest them for you automatically. But think about Amazon. I shop on Amazon. You shop on Amazon all the time, right? It's the only place I shop now, to be honest. Right. For food. Where's the limit of star ratings where you will not order something? Like what's the lowest I would go? Yep.
0: I don't really think I'd go below a four out of five, would you? And I don't really think
1: I have to because there's, right? No. I mean, honestly, I go in there and I just click right away. Show me the five-star reviews. Yeah, that's a good idea. Right? And and if we're doing that, what does that tell you about consumer behavior? They're all right. They're looking for the social proof. They're, They're before they're even looking at the product now they're looking for the social proof. So how strong is your social proof game? Yeah, Right. exactly. On my site, I've got 10 video testimonials from clients and almost every single client that meets me says, I went to your site and I watched all the videos. I'm like, great, right? So they've already pre-sold themselves yeah. on me before we talk, which again, lowers the resistance. That's you, what we're talking about, you'll right? See the, you'll see the best companies in the best
0: small to medium sized businesses or solo entrepreneurs out there. The best of the best of the best will have stacked the deck in their favor with social proof, testimonials, and case studies. I was talking to a client. I had my mastermind group in yesterday. I told you this before. I always do once a month. And one of my guys was having trouble with just conversions on Facebook, just the way their offer was run, the way the funnel was structured. I said, listen, the way to fix this, if you're struggling, is to just turn it into a case study funnel. By, By case study funnel, I mean... Stop talking about all the cool things you can do and what you do and how you get clients and how you're a great agency and how you can help them and help them succeed. It's all ambiguous, vague language. The shift I had to make was just go get your biggest win of a client. The guy you took from, I don't know, making two grand a month to 20 grand a month in 90 days because of your methodology and just just make it about that and say, if you want to learn more about our method and how I did this for Johnny over here, sign in below and I'll... You know, we'll get on a demo and see if it's a fit for you. Like you take yep. all the emphasis off yourself. Now, now that's, almost a, that's almost mandatory today, Aaron, I've noticed, with people who aren't real comfortable on video and aren't real comfortable putting themselves out there, but they sort of force themselves out there because everybody tells them, hey, you have to be out front, right? You and I believe that you'll always do better in sales and marketing if you are out front speaking, humanizing your offer, showing your personality, being a real person. But frankly, that's 2% of the population that can pull it off. How do you fix that? You talk up, you put your clients and your customers and your wins out front. And you're almost the narrator of the story now. So in that example before, he was like, oh my God, I hate being on video. Every time I do it, it's a pain in the ass. I lose sleep the night before. I'm like, take yourself out of this game, I said. I want you to now be the narrator of this offer. I want you to highlight your wins and your clients, make it all about them, and you'll just completely change the way you're attacking this and you'll be so less stressed. And honestly, you'll be way more compelling because you're sharing someone else's success story with your method versus you telling them about it.
1: Game changer. Uh,
0: right.
1: I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, I met with a client last night. I talked to you about this before this this show. And, uh, they're having trouble scaling and, and they actually have a really, really, really good weight loss system. You know, it's daily accountability, daily coaching. It's, it's got, you know, HCG and all, it's got some science backing and all that been around for 10 years. Really? So I said to them, great. Show me your, show me your ads. Right. So I put, well, I didn't even say show me your ads. I just pulled them up on Facebook ad library and I looked at their ads. They have one ad running with one image that's it. And for, I said to them, are you not doing any, like retargeting to the people that have already viewed your stuff? Because with 10 years of people who have gone through this program, there should literally be 20 retargeting ads of people sharing their experiences because you're in weight loss. The only, everybody who wants to lose weight wants to lose just, weight now. It should be one case study after another pouring on. They like every commercial you see for weight loss, before and after, before and after before, before and after, before and after, before yeah. and after, story, yep. story, story, story. It's a neutral system
0: model all
1: day, every day for 20 years. Right. I said you have one ad talking about your features and benefits and zero showing any of the results of your clients when really the thing that moves people forward in that industry is just other people having success. There should be like 20 of them here.
0: And right? you should be making – A chunk of your marketing efforts in that business model should be going out and acquiring testimonials in print, people on video, case study interviews like that's that could become, depending on where your business is, that to me is probably the best use of time. Right next to the sales and marketing of the actual product and service. Well, is acquisition of this stuff.
1: I always want to feel like we leave people with one actionable piece of gold, you know, in this show, and so. I'm gonna hopefully give people something that they're like, holy cow, that was the best thing I ever heard this week. Maybe this one. You're gonna do right? that right now? So we have clients all the time where I tell them, we need these assets to work with. And they go, how do I get them? Right? Very simple process. Here's what you do. You put together an email and it goes something like this. Hey, dear valued customers, we've grown so much in the last year. We're so grateful for your support. This community is amazing. But as you know, reviews and testimonials are more important now than ever before. It's the Amazon culture that's that's been ingrained with us now is people wanna know that other people have been successful using a product. So today we're gonna offer you an ethical bribe. If you take your phone and shoot a 30 minute or 30 second video of your experience with our product or service over the last year and you send it to this email over here, by noon tomorrow we're going to choose three lucky customers randomly and we're going to give them this special prize and we're going to announce it on our facebook group at 12 o'clock eastern so if you want to be able to enter for this prize make sure that again you shoot this 30 second video just tell us what your experience from the last year email it here we'll choose three lucky people and again we're so grateful for your support it's been amazing servicing all these people. We thank you so much for your support now and over the last year, X, Y, Z. Instantly, you will have testimonials come in. Why? Because you were polite. You asked for them. You told them exactly what to do. You gave them a timeline to submit them, and you gave them an incentive to do it. And you will gather so much amazing Credible Credibility building assets. These are building blocks is what they are. Building blocks. And it literally would take you six minutes to do.
0: Yep. And now that you've given the million dollar piece of advice, I'm going to give everyone the million dollar tool that we'll put down on the resources on the show notes. at Beautiful. velocitytv.com. And it's a service called Video Ask. Simple to the point, videoask.com. I remember that app. you brought you you brought
1: this to my attention because yeah, I said we, here's we, what, here's what I it. need you to do. I need you to go get me these testimonials. Here's the email that you're going to send out, and then you said I'm going to take it to the next level. I got this piece of software. And here's and here's
0: the thing. It's what you just said, but with, without having people having to take out their phone and press play and do this. Video Ask is an app. So when you it, it, it's an app, it, it's an app. It's also desktop as well. When you have a Video Ask account. And you send somebody, like you create the video that gets sent to the person saying, hey, can you grab your phone and shoot this video? And when they click that link on their phone, like the whole video player comes up for them and the video, the video ask, the testimonial lands right into the portal. So there's not like this back and forth raw file thing. Maybe they'll do it on their phone and then they have to download or do it. Like all of that goes away with video ask. So anytime we're pulling a video, so we'll put the two resources below, trust-based marketing, the book video ask the service, which really will will increase trust dramatically, right? Is, is just making it so simple for people where they don't have to think about doing it, downloading it, sending it. It's all done. They press record. They do a one, they do a one minute video. They press stop. And they're like, they're done. There's no downloading, no stopping, nothing for them to do. And everything just lands in your video ask account. That's how you can really do this at scale and at volume. And it makes
1: a huge difference. The less hoops you can make them
0: jump through because people are busy. People are busy.
1: Well, and that's why you have to have the timeline and the incentive because people are busy. And even though they might want to do it for you, if there's no timeline and no incentive, they'll just get to it later.
0: And part two of this, by the way, also, you know, last takeaway here is is take this to the next level and start interviewing your people. Right. This is a show. We're split here as a show live, but you can run the same kind of thing on Skype or Zoom where you just grab a customer. Maybe you give them a great bonus. Give them a product, a month of something free, 20% off their next purchase, right? It's nice to incentivize them to do you a favor. It's kind of it's a, a leap when you just like well, go and ask here's people to do your here random that I wanna, favors, I just, right?
1: I want to interject for a second. I did not say if you leave us a positive review. I actually just said leave us your experience, right? Because when you just say just leave us your experience, it doesn't come across cheesy. Like you're trying to pay for positive reviews. Just just tell us about your experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We want your feedback. Like, like what's good, what's bad. And you may use it, you may not. But the case study thing, like right now, if Aaron was a customer and we got on this, this, this production that we're on right now, and by the way, it's the same production that I run my case studies on, just like you see us right now, I just take 15, 20 minutes and say, Hey, tell me about your experience. What's worked great for you? Why do you love our software? How have you increased sales? How has your marketing changed? How have you increased efficiency? How have you driven down cost? And I just let them talk. Now that's the building blocks, testimonials, case studies, testimonials, case studies. I wouldn't go a week anymore if I were you as a business owner without checking the box on a Friday night or a Saturday whenever you check out for the week with not having collected any testimonials or case studies for your business or you've lost that week. shouldn't say you've lost a week, but you've taken a step back, not forward when it comes to amping up trust and visibility and social proof in your business. Every week, got to grab something, even if it's just a paragraph of text, a quick video,
1: or a larger case study like this. You know what? And I'll tell you the additional benefit that comes from it, because, you know, about, I'm, I'm not as good as I should be, but you know, I also don't have thousands of clients. I have, you know, 40 clients, right? So But once in a month, I'll ask one of my clients, you know, to just share their experience with me, they'd be okay just shooting me a quick video. When it comes back and I watch it, the feeling I get watching it almost like reinvigorates me to move forward. It's an additional benefit that comes from when you hear somebody actually talk about how much you're impacting their life and what they're doing. You know, we often get caught in the minutia of like, you know, putting one step forward, one foot in front of the other, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you actually listen to somebody's heartfelt description of how you've impacted their life, man, that additional benefit, it just like fuels you, Yeah. right? It's like, it's like you know, I remember reading some time about Donald Trump, like, I think Donald Trump gets like, only the positive um, articles that are written about him delivered to his desk every single morning for him to, to read. Right, like I remember, I remember reading that something. That was probably pre-presidency, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, probably pre-presidency. Um, this was, i think I read about this like four, yeah, or five I years. Yeah, I remember ago. that too. I remember that. Too. And, and at first, I thought that's like really like weird and you know egomaniacal. But everybody feeds off of positive feedback, right? And so he's, he, he found a mechanism to feed himself positive feedback every single day, right? Just by going out and gathering these case studies and these testimonials and then watching them back yourself, it actually will create a feedback loop for you. It just makes you feel good. It's just the additional benefit.
0: It's a really good point. I, didn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. It's a great point because we all need we all need validation as human beings, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes not only that, you're also going to uncover. I'm low. Yeah, you I'll could go un- watch
1: my own videos.
0: Yeah. And you could uncover some trends. You might get people's experience. They might be saying something that you didn't realize that's either good or bad that you can grow from and change. Absolutely. So I think it serves a lot. I mean, I think it serves
1: both purposes, front end and back end, right? It's a great way yeah, to engage. And, 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 and we can keep going with this. I don't want to take people too deep down a rabbit hole. But again, the, the whole concept of what we're talking about today is trust, right? Is building trust and credibility, right? It's knowing what your people expect to see. It's putting that into the marketplace And then when they actually come to view what you have, it's making sure that what what you have put into the marketplace again aligns with their expectation of what it should be. There are so many clients I look at their websites and and the text isn't aligned properly or there's spelling errors in it Mm -hmm. or there's six different types of fonts or there's five different colors or you go to look at it on mobile and it's not it's, it's not optimized for mobile. It's the same site and desktop as it is in mobile, and you gotta expand it and you can't read it, or it's all aligned, you know, improperly in mobile. Sloppy. You know, sloppy or breakdown the, of trust. Know, it's a breakdown the, of trust. Yeah, the email like the, the the video doesn't work or links aren't clickable or whatever. Every one of these little pieces erodes. At the credibility of what you have. And if 50% of, of, of your success rate depends on trust and credibility, and the other 50% is the value of your offer, you're just constantly chipping away yeah. at at the psychology, you know, of your of your ideal client. So you can be
0: you can be chipping chipping away on the way up, or you can be chipping yep. away on the way down by not doing stuff like this, right? This is counterintuitive, right? Most people think I need more ads, I need a better funnel. I need a better brand, and you do. You do need all that stuff, but along the way, you gotta grab the social proof, the testimonials, and the case studies, and the third party validation to keep driving you forward. Otherwise, you you just end up in this little teeny tiny sliver of a market that could be double or triple the size, because most people today are going to buy on the third party validation, not your first party validation.
1: Yeah, you know what? One of the one of the great exercises is that that I'm shocked so so many of our clients haven't done. said go Google yourself, see what shows up, right? If you don't show up, it's a problem. If you show up and the wrong things are there, it's a problem, right? If you show up and it's nothing but articles you've done that have been in different websites and videos of you on podcasts and reviews about you and your services and whatever, boom, huge check mark, right? Because I guarantee you, Every single one of your clients is looking. If they find nothing, they're like, eh, Also how good not this good.
0: He's not that authority. He he's not that, doesn't have that much authority. Doesn't nope. have that much of a client base, perhaps. Doesn't have real oomph in the marketplace. I mean, yeah, you're right. Hasn't he's, been around long
1: enough. Product isn't that good. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah,
0: blah. Oh, he wrote an article 17 years ago. That's cool. Like, is he active <laughs> in the business anymore? Right? I mean, you got to And I'm not he, judging. You know, I, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm not judging because when when i started the agency 4 years ago andrew i had always been the guy behind the scenes of every project and so when i started the agency people were googling me and they're like i couldn't find anything about you bro like this guy over here said you do really good work but i can't find anything about you i was like man i have I to have proactively to play that game now. <laughs> yeah i have to proactively go out and start to put this this content into the world to ensure that i'm not sabotaging myself before they get to me yeah because your customers are checking boxes. What do other people say about you? Can you show up? What can be found? What do you look like? How do you respond? How do you communicate? They're all building blocks to their decision.
0: By the way, a big lesson here, We'll, we'll start to close out with this. A big lesson is having a podcast or having a show and just once a week, publishing something, sharing your thoughts, doing interviews, talking with either partners or clients or guests, most podcast environments are a guest, a guest environment where you're bringing people on. I mean, that stuff is, that stuff is great for SEO. That's all organic. That stuff lives on the internet and just stacks and stacks and compounds and compounds. The next thing you know, when somebody goes and looks you up, all they see is you producing content and speaking and sharing philosophies and they see your face, they hear your voice. I mean, it's, it's easier than ever today. To have yourself in multiple forms of media to build the trust that you know you ultimately need to be, need, need, and to get that third party validation, it really is. It's easier today than ever, and I think because it's easier today, today than ever, it's harder today than ever because there's so many choices and so many options. And sometimes, because of all the options, you get like a deer in headlights moment, and you don't do any of them, and and that's you know a different conversation within itself. But
1: you know what? You get the energy to do the thing by doing the thing.
0: You get the energy to do the thing by doing the thing. Yeah, I would agree. And I'll tell you this, and, and we'll wrap it here. I think the big takeaway is don't let a week or a month or a quarter go by without building your portfolio of testimonials, case studies, third-party validation, social proof that you just stack. I like will give you a quick example. I have, I have a Google Drive folder, Aaron. One is for written testimonials, one is for video testimonials, and one is for case studies. And I have my eye on that thing all the time. And if I'm not growing that portfolio, then I'm not growing the business because I can only run so many ads and do so many videos and say so many things about myself or my product. At some point, I'm going to need to get happy, satisfied customers and members on my back to do the rest of the work or I'm building a very limited business. And that's a monster lesson that if you feel like you need to amp up sales conversions, I can probably tell you that there's not enough social proof in your sales process. Now, next week, we're starting a new series inside of Sales Velocity called the Sales Prevention Department. It's (laughs) it's, going to show up every couple weeks. I told you, you know the story when I was running my my seminar business for eight straight years uninterrupted in Miami. I think it was seven and a half, actually. I would start every event, Aaron, one event a month, 12, 12 times a year, stacked over seven years. Almost since the beginning, I started every event with a quick ten-minute sales prevention department segment, where I would identify one business that was so horrible with the way they dealt with me in their sales process that I would break it down and dissect it, and talk about all the things they did wrong that they could have done better. And it's oftentimes hilarious, so it's very entertaining, but it's also very instructive. So we're going to allocate. I'm going to bring it back. Is what I'm trying to say here, right? I'm going to bring bringing it back. sexy back. Bringing it back and uh, we come across it all the time. Companies who have entered the sales prevention department, we're going to expose them, but we're going to help you learn monster lessons from them. And I can think of two or three in my head right now. I know you can as well, but it's, it's funny. It's funny, but hey, listen, it's sometimes we're doing these things we don't even know we're doing it and you're like literally deterring sales and that's a huge problem. So that's next week. Hope you enjoyed this one. Trust-based marketing, get the book highly recommend it. Get the service video ask on how to amplify this whole thing. And boy, oh boy, what a difference it will make for you. Uh, That's Aaron Parkinson. I'm Andrew Cass. I'm going to end this one. We will see you next week for an episode of the sales prevention department here at Sales Velocity TV and radio. This one's a wrap. We'll see you all soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com.
1: See you on the next episode.